0: Every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we're on WECO Radio out of Wartburg. And you can listen to that online uh, or if you're close enough to, to hear that. Uh, You can hear that there. It's called The Riches from the Pages, radio broadcast. So we'll we'll play this hopefully over there, okay? All right, here we go. If you're there at Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 20, say amen. amen. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord Jesus, use this time. Father, bless the reading of your word, and I pray, God, you would touch me and fill me as your preacher. God, let me convey these truths that we'll find in the word of God today, and let it uh, resonate. Lord, let it change us into who we want, uh, who you want us to be. And Father, let it take us through in these coming days. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. amen. You can be seated this evening. Now we have, uh, we, we're part of a, um, I am a, a, a part of a little group of preachers that talks uh, every week and almost every day. There's this little phone app called Marco Polo. Anybody use Marco Polo? It's a little thing where you, may, you talk to each other and you can see your face. And then, fellas, you would love it if you could talk to your wife like this. What it is, is you get to say everything you want to say and they can't interrupt you. And then you say it, and then you stop, and then they say everything they want to say. And, and so, you know, hey, I say take it up, look it up, research it, and that way you can finish a sentence one of these days. But on that little group, we call it the Bible commentators, and we discuss scriptural things. And sometimes, occasionally, which is what we're doing right now, we, are, we, go, we come together and we dedicate a portion of our study time to a particular scripture Chapter and in this case we're actually going through together as as preachers. There's 16 of us, pastors and evangelists that are going through and studying the book of Colossians together. And I think it's just a ploy. There's one of those preachers. He needs a bunch of outlines, and so he's just getting everybody else to make their outlines. You know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, we have found oh the book of Colossians so overlooked. I think in a lot of ways. If you love the Bible, if you love thick, thick, dense truth that's in a very small package. You can look at the four chapters of the book of Colossians and you can get a tremendous amount of truth, biblical truth, in the book of Colossians. Can I get an amen, Bible students? And so in these verses, it kind of fell my lot and I was coming through and studying this and something in these verses stood out to me. Two key things. I want you to look at the end of verse 21 and the beginning of verse 22. Now look at it because you've got to see this. Look there where it says, yet now hath he reconciled. There's no punctuation there. There's not a comma. There's not a period. There's not a colon or semicolon. I don't understand. I don't know why. I'm hoping one of those great smart preachers will tell me why the folks who put together the King James Bible decided to put a break in the verses and make verse 21 become halfway through verse 22. Verse 21 starts with a capital letter, but it's not the ending of, or the beginning of a new sentence. Let's read it together instead of pausing, okay? Verse number 21 And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, By wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, that reconciliation work is a tremendous work. And so that kind of caught my eye when there was no punctuation. I actually had to go to some of my other King James Bibles and make sure that wasn't a typo in my Bible to make sure. But it's the way it's set up. Why? Well, the the emphasis on being reconciled. Now that is an accounting term. I'm not big on math. I, I you know I, I I I do enough to get by. Amen. But uh, my uncle he was an accountant. He's a CPA for years and years. And uh, brother, D, uh, brother Dwayne Moore, Great Evangelist, he was a CPA in Atlanta for years and years. And, buddy, he is a numbers man. And he would tell you, my pastor, Brother Mark Stroud, he was a banker for several years before he went full-time in the pastoring. And they will explain to you that when something is reconciled, they take a, a set of books and they will make the debits and the credits line up and they will reconcile those books until everything evens out until everything that is owed is paid, until everything that was in the negative (laughs) becomes positive, until all things come together and add right up to that no debt. Amen? Amen. So there's a reconciliation. I like that part. That makes me go. (laughs) That just makes me want another piece of cheesecake. Amen? (laughs) But look, the, the, the thing that I want to focus on in these next few little minutes is in verse number 22. It is this portion. To present you. To present you. And and just for a few minutes here. I promise you I'm not going to keep you very long. If my throat will hold out. Y'all just pray for me. I want to talk to you just a little while. This afternoon. On the principle of presentation. The biblical principle. Of presentation. Now. uh, When we think about this word. Presentation. You've got some uses there, a root word and things of that nature. When you give somebody a present, you present the present, the right. gift. You give something to someone, hoping that they will approve of it. Right, right. Yeah. now, when the little fella gets over there a little bit, he's probably going to open up more Christmas presents than he can even play with. And what's he going to do? He's going to play with the boxes. Right? Yeah. And all that money you spent on all that stuff, you could have stuck in the bank. Hey, man, come on. Hey, yeah. But we present, I, I, I think of, I think of the military. Now, I was not in the military, but when we were at Middle Tennessee Baptist Church for several years, I taught uh, some teenagers, <coughs> taught some college age. We called it the Joshua generation. And I had a young man. He was a young bass player, and I, I worked with him and all and his family's. Real solid in that church. His name is Jacob Davenport. And when he was a young man, he was really an old man. He walked around as a teenage boy like an old man. Like, you're 14. Why are you acting like you got arthritis? I mean, he was an old man as a young man. You ever seen people like that? He was an old soul. But he had in his mind, since he was a small child, it was his life's goal. To become a member of the honor guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. Now his grandmother's brother had been part of the honor guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And he wanted to carry on the tradition. Well, let me just tell you something. That is not something they give out to just anybody. That is something that you only the most dedicated military young men are given the privilege to do. How many of you have ever been to Arlington and seen the changing of the guard? Or you've seen it on television or YouTube and things like that? That tomb of the unknown soldier. That one who represents all those lives who were lost. Defending our country. And those soldiers through dead of night, coldest of winter, yep. driving rains, they, they, they get themselves ready and they guard that tomb of the unknown. And there is a tremendous amount of scrutiny on their appearance. Right. They have to maintain a certain weight and fitness. Yep. Their hair must be within micrometer measurement of accuracy in their haircut. They cannot display tattoos. They can never, they sign a pledge. They can never be drunken in public. They can never be heard cursing in public. This is the military, it's not church. And when they come out, they have a certain white glove inspection. And you know what they do? They come out from that barracks underneath that building there at Robert E. Lee's old plantation. And they come out from that barracks in full strut. And they click those heels and they take those heel and toe steps. And they walk that little path right up to the area where they will assume their round of duty at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And they have their M1 weapon loaded, cleaned, and ready for action on their shoulder. And they make that little rise out of those stairs. They take a left and they come around the side of Robert E. Lee's home. And then they make that little left and they'll turn, heel-toe. And they'll come forward unto their sergeant, their CO, who does the inspection of the honor guard. And he comes around, and he looks them up and down. And he takes their weapon. He says, present, ha! And they'll take that weapon, and they'll pop it off their shoulder. And they will, with extreme accuracy, Phew! present that weapon to that CO. Yep. He will take that weapon. They will assume their rightful place of of attention. And he will examine, open that chamber, look down the barrel, inspect the bullet, the round, put it back in. And he will look it over and under the bayonet, every portion of it. And I have seen this one time. One time when I was about 14 years old, we went to the tomb of the unknown, Jacob. And there was a young man came out for his inspection. And that CO, he handed off that weapon. And he took out that ground, and that CO looked in that chamber, and he looked straight back up at that soldier, closed the, closed the chamber, shoved it back in his face. The young man took that weapon, put it back on his shoulder, about faced, and went back to the barracks. You know what that meant? That meant that he did not present a completely clean weapon. Yep. And he could not do his duty. Mama, He had to present himself. Well, let me just say to you, that stuck with me, obviously, through all the years of my life. And my young friend, Jacob Davenport, he, he spent two and a half years as a, as a member of the honor guard, never once failing his presentation. How about that? <clears throat> I look at that. And then I look at our slack-jawed blue jean hanging down, bunch of sorry, carny, good-for-nothing young people walking around this planet. And I think these people have never been taught to be presentable. That's right. But let me tell you something. Outside of this, this verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, there is a biblical... Principle for presentation. Oh, yeah. Take some notes right here. Take some notes right here. Moses in Exodus chapter number 34 had to present himself in verse number two. Uh, Let me get back up and get verse number one. The Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest, Exodus 34. One, now verse number two. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mountain. Can you imagine the pressure that Moses must have felt to present himself to God Almighty. He didn't say, present me the stones. He didn't say, present me the tables. He said, present yourself to me. Present yourself to me. There's principle over there in Deuteronomy chapter number 31, verse 14. It says this. The Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thy thy days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. There is a biblical truth and principle of presentation in the Bible. I won't read them all, but take note of these. In Numbers chapter number three, verse six, there is a principle where the priests, the Levites who served, who were going to serve in that wilderness tabernacle and forward in the temples of the the days that went forward, where those priests had to present themselves unto God. In Leviticus chapter number 16, we see that the sacrifices that the priest had to give were presented unto the Lord. And they had to be the right sacrifice. There could not be a lamb that had a blemish, a scar, a freckle, a lameness. Even the sick, in chapter number 14, verse 11 of Leviticus, you can mark it down and look at it in your study, that even the sick who had been cleansed had to present themselves in order to be declared clean. There is a biblical presentation, a principle of presentation, (laughs) even in the book of Job. Chapter number 1 and chapter number 2. Chapter number 1, verse 6 of Job. It says there that the sons of God, that included Satan, presented themselves unto the Lord. Do you know that the devils of this world are not running outside of the accountability and reporting and presenting themselves unto God Almighty? You understand that they are restrained? Right. They are given because of the fall of man. When Satan said, I'll give you these kingdoms, they were his to give. Jesus did not respond in rebuke to him and say, those are not your kingdoms to give. They were sinful, worldly kingdoms. Yes. But Satan has to report to God. That's right. You know that Satan's not in hell? That's right. That's right. Man preacher. Amen, preacher. Exactly right. God said, where you been? Yep. He said, I've been walking up and down the earth. Yep. And when he came back in chapter number two, he said, I've been walking up and down the earth. Yep. He's not in hell. No. Lost people are in hell. That's right. But that hell is not prepared for them. It's prepared. That lake of fire that burns. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. Yeah, Amen. But even Satan has to present himself to God. Amen, preacher. Yeah. That's a level of accountability. That's what this presentation principle leads us to. It's an accountability. Well, now look back in our verses in Colossians. Look back in our verses in Colossians chapter 1. What makes us presentable? Let me just say to you that there is no way possible. That you could cleanse either the inside or the outside of your physical body and put on different clothes or right kind of clothes and cut your hair a certain way that God would say, that qualifies you for heaven. That's right. That's right. I know people who are as wicked, wicked, wicked as you can find, and they dress to the nines and their hair is perfectly in place. It is not the outward presentation initially that God is looking for, but we're going to find something here. What is it that qualifies us to be presentable unto God? Look in our verses. It said there in verse number 20, and having made peace. Oh, listen, before I get to this good part, made peace. What he did was he didn't keep peace. He didn't didn't negotiate peace. No, he made peace. Jesus Christ created and made peace between us and God the Father. God the Father who hates sin, who cannot be in, in in the presence of sin because he is holy. But here in verse 20, we see that having made peace through the, here it is, the blood of his cross. Oh, yes. Let me tell you something, my friend. Everything that you can do to try to clean yourself up is nothing without the blood, the red blood. Of Jesus Christ, the red blood makes us presentable unto the Lord. The red blood of Christ has redeemed us. Uh, It has brought the redemption through the cross. uh, And it has given us a position of being reconciled with God Almighty. Look at our verses. Uh, He said, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. You know what had to happen? Earth had to be aligned up with the things that are in heaven. There is nothing in heaven that's out of order, but it's all of the sinful world that has to be placed in order. So what he did was, he took that credit, that that that, that, that credit over there, that negative side, and he had to put it that dividend side, whichever side it is, I'm not on the counter, but he had to put that negative side where our sin had created a debt, and he had to come over here to this heaven side, and he had to make peace and reconcile those bull- of heaven, and he brought peace to us and made us presentable unto God Almighty. Amen. Glad I ate that cheesecake. I feel real good right now. Turn over to Hebrews chapter number 9. Let me read you these verses. Hebrews chapter number 9. Look at this beginning in verse number 11. But Christ, being coming high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands—that that is to say not of this building he's talking about this flesh neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered once, in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh that's those things we talked about in the book of Leviticus how much more verse number 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your consciences from the dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of a new testament. Oh, thank the Lord that by means of death for the redemption of Of the transgressions that were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let me tell you my friend. You and I don't deserve heaven. We cannot work for heaven. We cannot pay our way into heaven. We cannot earn enough degrees to get into heaven. We cannot have enough people like us to get into heaven. We cannot feed enough homeless to get into heaven. We cannot be patriotic enough to get into heaven. We cannot move to a a, a geographical place in order to get us into heaven. It's by the red blood of Jesus Christ that we're reconciled unto God. Oh, and made presentable unto him. There is this. Element, this forgotten element of responsibility and accountability. Now, what does that reconciling do for us? Back in our text in Colossians 1.22, it says it presents you holy yeah. and unblameable yeah. and unreprovable unto your in-laws. No, That's not what it said. Holy, unblameable, unreprovable to all the church people that know what no. you did. Now, He says in his sight. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I hate the sin that I commit. Yes, yes. Let me just tell you, God didn't scoop me up out of a gutter or save me off of a bar stool. He saved me off of a church pew sitting on that third pew on this side when I was six years old in July 1978. On the Thursday night of a summer revival, Brother Frank Sharp preaching Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone gone his own way, and I didn't know anything he preached. I didn't know the points that he made, but I knew this. The Holy Ghost was beating me up on the inside of my heart saying, let me in, let me in. You can't get there. You're on your own. Your family's good. Your daddy's a deacon. Your mama plays the piano at church, but that's not going to get it. Your granddaddy prays like nobody ever seen, but that's not going to get it. You got to get saved. Amen. Amen. And he took me as a six-year-old child oh, yeah. knowing that the majority of my sin would be committed after I was well, saved. Right. Mm-hmm. And he saved me anyway. Yes, sir. Hey. He saved me anyway. He anyway. You know what he did? He went ahead and reconciled the books for the next 50, 60, 70 years whatever he lets me live and said at six years old he said yes to my son and the blood was applied and that makes him presentable in my sight. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm liking this one right here. Amen. I want to just give you three little things and we're going to go to the house and you can take a real good nap. How about it? I want to give you three little things. You ready? And this principle of presentation, I would would, uh, submit to you There, there is three things. One, number one is our personal presentation. Our personal presentation. Now, what are you talking about, Brother Adam? It's over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. It's over there. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God, that ye you present oh, yes. your bodies yep. a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God yep. which is your reasonable service Amen. Amen. not being conformal to this world no 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 but being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God hey, uh, We have a personal presentation that we must make to God. He has saved us. But you know what he is saying on the daily basis? He's saying, I beseech you there, boy, I I urge you strongly. It is an an imperative of your personal life and my personal life that we would present ourselves unto God. That's right. Not to just receive blessings, not just to have prayers answered, not to be financially secure, yep. not live without <gasps> fear, not for sickness never come to our home, but a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A living sacrifice. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow me. It is a principle of daily personal presentation. Yeah, you know what he's saying? He's saying, get up in the morning, get them eye boogers out of your face. Yep. Go in there and brush your teeth, and if you need a cup of coffee, Amen. 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 Get you mind, get them cobwebs knocked out, and then say, "Reporting for duty." You can inspect me, but you might find some sin. Yep. I wish you'd clean me up. I wish you'd cleanse me and purge me, and I present myself to you, a yeah. living sacrifice. Yeah, man, preacher. I'm dead under sin, but alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I present myself to you. And you know what he'll do? Yes. He'll use your life. He'll use your words. He'll use your walk. He'll use your witness yes, to prove yeah, to a world. Yeah, yeah. See, he's going to prove it to you along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. If that word is right and that prayer works. But you know what? When he proves it to you, you'll be able to prove it to the world beyond their ability to understand the good will of God. The acceptable will of God. The perfect will of God. You know, the only way that you can go through a personal tragedy is if you've presented yourself unto God and he's proven himself to you. Yeah. And then you'll see, Lord, this is where my faith and my fear are at war. (coughs) Like that song says. But I'll trust you. Time and time again. Yeah. And although I may not know how it ends, oh, Lord, you've proven yourself to me that you're good. Amen. You know what, it's, what it means when that prodigal won't come home and when that loved one's not going to make it? Lord, your will I do not understand, and I may not even... Brother Dustin Bottom says, I don't even really agree with it, Lord, but I accept it. Yep. And you know what? We'll find out on the backside of that thing. His, his will's perfect. <laughs> but we've got to present ourselves unto Him in our personal presentation. It might be like Psalm nine, one, uh, 19 and 14 says, Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. All right. Oh, I, I, I never have had a problem with drinking. I never have had a problem with a bunch of gross sin. I ain't never looked at a boy and said, I don't even want, you know, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. None of that gross, obvious stuff. You know where the thing, the thing that bother me the most? I to preach. You're right. Yeah, man. Yep. You know the most of the time when, I, when it hits me? When I'm right here. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Fixing to be up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the devil somehow, I don't know how he does, or how my mind, my wicked mind, this wicked flesh does. But that's when those old wicked thoughts will come. Am I right? That's right. Pretty that's where it will come, right there. And I have to sit there and pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, the things that I think and dwell upon be acceptable in your sight. Mm-hmm. Brother Sammy Allen, you say it this way talking about sin getting in your head. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can help it from making a nest in your hair. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Two more things. Here we go. There's the personal presentation. And then there is the preachers. I'm going to tile it this way and give it a little bit of extra here. The preacher's presentation. Now, what do we got here? Look, look, in verse, look, in, look in back in our text in, in Colossians. Let me get back over there. Colossians. Look what it says there. He said to present you. To present you. Now that comes in more detail in verse number 28. Look at verse number 28, Colossians 1. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we, he's talking about himself, we, may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul's saying? He said, I've got a responsibility of presentation when it comes to people I have won to the Lord. I've got a a responsibility of presentation for people who are under my influence. And you know what? You better be glad. Some some people don't think, now not y'all. Y'all up in this beautiful parts of the hills of Tennessee. Not y'all. It's all them other places we go where people are so wicked and mean and, and think they run no better than the pastor and stuff. Amen. Yes. Hey, so all you think you could pastor better than him, give her a shot. Yep. <laughs> give it a try. You know what? He's got to answer for himself before God. Right. He's, right. Going he mm-hmm. yep. he's going to answer for how he was a husband. He's going to answer for how he's a daddy and a granddaddy. You know why? Because that's all under his influence. Amen. And he's also going to answer for something you're not going to answer for, and that is the body of this church. Right. He's going to have to answer for that. And you know what? You know why he preaches the truth of God's Word? You know why he gives instruction in righteousness? You know why he has to rebuke sin and reprove and, make, and try to show us where we need to change? Because he bears a responsibility for your biblical knowledge and wisdom. and watch You're growing in grace in God. Now, let me just let you off a of hook right here. You preach the Bible, nothing but the Bible, all the Bible, all the time, and people are really just going to do what they, what they want to do anyhow. That's right. So just yes. take the pressure off. It's all right. Yes. You can't make people do right. No. That's right. You know what they got to do? They got to want to do right. No. That's right. And that's where their personal presentation responsibility comes into place. Amen. But he has a response. And Paul took that response. And it's in several different places. I'll notate to you. But Paul and all those churches that he started, Thessalonica and Colossae and and the church at Philippi and that church at Corinth. Oh, your goodness. Good granny, Them people, they were messed up. I would not want to be responsible for that. But he had a responsibility to present them unto God. How about that? But you know what? It's not just the preacher that I'm talking about there. You might have picked up on it. Hey, mom and daddies. We're going to stand before God on how we raised our kids. Right. Yeah. Amen. You know what we're going to do? We're going to present under yeah. the Lord at judgment how we parented. And, and y'all grannies and grandpas. Hey, what's, what happens with y'all? I'm, I don't know. how I'm trying to prevent this. But my daddy, I don't know what happened to him. But when grandkids come along... He started laughing at all the stuff that he used to beat my honey in for and just handing out money like it's king. I mean, where did this come from? That's a pop-up thing, I guess. I don't know. But you know what wouldn't hurt every once in a while? For you would look at your granddaddy, your grandkids and say, I used to smack his jaws for doing what you're doing and if he smacks your jaws, I'm behind him. Hey, yeah. You know what would happen? You'd have to pick up your child off the floor because they fainted. For one, it's like, "Pulpo, you give us money, take us candy, and you let us eat bad stuff." Yeah, well, uh, thanks, James. I got a responsibility. I got to present y'all. Anyway, (laughs) hey, it's not time to look the other way because they're your grandkids and they're in sin. That's right, right. Amen. 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 You got too many grannies and grandpas that's winking and turning a blind eye and not saying a word when their grandkids. Are sinking deep in sin. Yep. Yep. Now you got to find that balance of working with the mom and daddy. I get that. That's delicate. That's that's weird, but work together. Work together and say, hey, if I can help you in any way, I'll be glad to do or I'll stay out of it, whatever. But I'm concerned about my grand youngins. Amen, preacher. You know why? Because there is a presentation principle here in our area of influence. I got to move on quickly. Some of y'all are really, really. Let me give you this one other little nugget here. As a biblical truth for this of somebody who wasn't a preacher. Genesis 19. Lot. Abraham's nephew. Let me just say to you. Lot had every opportunity to be a tremendous man for God. Amen. Yes, Amen. He was Abraham's nephew. Abraham took him everywhere he went. He provided for him. He funded him. He helped him get started. He he showed. He went everywhere that Abraham, he knew everything that God was telling Abraham. Like that, you know. Lot Lot probably learned some bad stuff down in Egypt. And when he looked off at those well-watered plains, he said, I'll go over there. But you know what happened when that sin went rampant? And, and, and God couldn't stand it anymore. He was going to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah off the face of the earth. He sent two angels to get Lot out of there. And he brought... And, he, and, they, and you remember the scene over there in Genesis 19. Those, those wicked men wanted those two angels to come out and do awful, terrible, wicked things with them. Yeah. And those two angels... <laughs> he basically just blinded them all and pushed them back. And you know what they said to Lot? This is what they said. Hast thou, uh, they says, hast thou any besides these? He said, hast thou any besides these? Your wife, your sons-in-laws, and your daughters. How long you been here? Decades. Your children were born here. And your influence is gauged by this people that you know outside your door right now that are wanting to do wicked things and all you've got is your wife and your daughters and son-in-laws and you know what those son-in-laws did? They laughed at him and they stayed and he had to drag his wife and kids out of that cesspool of sin and his wife loved that sin so much that she looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt and I, I won't even go into the disgusting description of what happened with him and his daughters. That's right. But because of that, there's people throwing rocks over there, over over a big pile of rocks, even to this day. Yeah. Mm. That's right. You're exactly right. There is a there's a a presentation responsibility for those you have influence. Okay, I got to let me give you this last one. This is a good one, and I call this one the preeminent presentation. And this is when. We are presented unto God. Look in our, look, look, look here. Let's look over in Jude 24. Jude 24, right up there, up against Revelation. I know it's been Bible drill on this little message. I don't apologize, but. but Jude 24, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Did you catch that there? To present you faultless. Who's he talking about, Paul? No, he's not talking about Jude either. He said, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Man's not able to keep you from falling. He tells us who it is. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, power, both now and ever. Amen. You know what's happening here? This is what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 4. He's talking about presenting himself a bride. Presenting himself a bride. Now I guess if I could title this one little section, it'd be, here comes the bride. (laughs) Here comes the bride. Can you just see it? When God's church, the bride of Christ... When that rapture takes place and we're gone, Uh, hey, either by the clouds or by the clouds, we're out of here. Amen. And we go to heaven and there's that marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. What he's going to do before that marriage supper, that is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. We're going to have to face the deeds done in our body individually, not answered for anybody else's sin, but... There is that time of priest. What's going to happen is Jesus Christ is going to present Himself bride. Look, look, and, let me just read you this Second Corinthians four. Let me give you this one Second Corinthians four fourteen says this. Uh, yeah, four fourteen. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus—that's talking about God—shall raise up us also by Jesus. And present us with you. Paul is saying we are, as the body of Christ, going to be raised and presented unto God by the Lord Jesus. Right. Mm. How about that? Now, one more here. This is he's talking about his bride. He's talking about his perfecting his bride and presenting his perfected bride. There's one more little portion here. We're almost done. Look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Let me give you this one. Ephesians 5. I don't think I put a little marker right there. Ephesians 5. Back up. There it is right there. Ephesians 5. Look at verse number 26 and 27. In in this idea of the preeminent presentation. He said that that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Now let me back up and get the context. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ... Also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify. He's talking about the bride. He might sanctify and cleanse it. He's talking about his bride. With the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. You know what Jesus Christ is doing right now he is present, he is preparing us right. to be presented as his bride hey, in heaven hey, he is pre- he is working and perfecting and purifying us to be prepared to be presented in heaven as his bride That's right. mm. yes, sir. this preeminent presentation of his peerless Pure bride. I, I got these two girls, and I'm, I, you're a good boy, Jacob. I mean, you ain't got a shot in this situation, but I'm just telling you. I, I don't, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there ain't no teenage boy that's any camp. I just, I'm sorry. I love y'all. I mean it. I'm sure you're just great, but I don't like them. I don't like none of them. I don't like any of them. None of them. Hey, I don't like teenage boys because they're all after my teenage girls. I don't like them. But if some nothead boy who's got a job That's right. and a house and is not $10,000 in debt on a credit card mm. yeah. comes and thinks he can run my gauntlet and survive. I might I might say yeah you can marry her maybe but I might just kill you and bury you in the hills of North Georgia whew, man I got the flesh right there hang on one second. <clears throat> my girls hate this by the way and I know it I don't care I love it I, was, I, was, I, I get great joy out of this Oh, I do. cause look Here's why. Their mom and me, we've paid a great price sure. to keep them pure. Amen. 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 We've made a tremendous, I'm not just talking about monetary investments. We have done our very dead level best that we know how to do to put the things of God deep, 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 deep down in their hearts. Yeah. And for some knucklehead, numbskull, teenage boy to come around and mess all that up. Uh-uh! <laughs> <laughs> Not you. Or at least hex. Yeah. Amen. That's right. <laughs> but see, hey, I don't want I don't want to step on nobody's toes. Oh, what am I kidding? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that white dress used to mean something. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 You're exactly right, preacher. Right. Yeah. Amen. If you saw that, saw that gal with that kind of off white dress, you know her mama still told her what went. Yep. Amen. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That white dress means nothing now. You're right. You're right. But I tell you what it means in heaven, it still means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Amen. He said that I may present you a chaste virgin amen that's bible yeah i can just see it in my mind i got to writing it down a little bit i could just i could just visualize that heavenly wedding by the way if you want a picture of this it's over in i believe it's over in matthew where that bridegroom cometh the bridegroom cometh at the midnight hour midnight he makes a midnight cry Those Middle Eastern culture weddings in that time, even amongst the Hebrews, the wedding was not about the bride. The wedding was about the groom. Sorry, America. (laughs) It was about the groom. He went and he prepared a place for his bride attached to his father's home. Right. And up to a year, he would go, and at an undetermined, unannounced time, he would arrive to take his bride, and he would take her to her new home at his place that he had built and prepared for her. It sounds familiar like, I go away, but if I go away, I'll come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It sounds a little bit like that. So I can just visualize that heavenly wedding, and God the Father... Mm. Standing and the son of God proceeding down that heavenly corridor with a bride in a brilliant white dress in garments pure and white, washed clean by the word of God and the best man of the Holy Ghost standing right there. You know, he's the one that said, hey, I know this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know somebody you need to meet. Y'all ever met them fix it up people? those matchmakers that's who the Holy Ghost is that's biblical matchmaking you know who I am for my girls I'm the matchmaker (laughs) they're going to kill me I'll buy you another cookie at McAllister's it'll be all right. that Holy Ghost he's the matchmaker he come up he said I know somebody oh he's perfect for you oh he's rich there ain't nobody as rich Oh, he's the lovely, he is the rose of Sharon. Oh, he's the bright morning star. Oh, you need to meet, let me introduce you to him. Oh, I know somebody. And he's gonna be that best man. He's been there every step of the way. You know what? He's been there watching over that bride for that groom, that son of God. And here he comes. Here comes Jesus Christ with his bride down that heavenly corridor. And the Father says, Who gives this bride? And the son says, I have given everything for my bride. That's right. Amen. Amen. And that heavenly presentation is what every bit of little sanctification and correction and cleansing of our lives and what he is asking us to do when we crucify our flesh and we die to self and we present ourselves a living sacrifice. All he's trying to do is get us ready for our wedding when we're presented unto himself. But you know what we ought to be doing every day? We ought to be presenting ourselves. That's right. And saying, clean me. Wash me in your word. Make me into who you want me to be as your bride. There's a principle of presentation in this word. Amen. Deep biblical presentation in this oh, word. Now, for the lost... Their presentation is going to be a lot different. That's right. Because it's too late for them. Amen. And they're not going to be presented in robes of white. No. They're going to be presented in the rags of their wretched sin coming up out of the charred walls of the <coughs> damned. And he's not going to say how beautiful you are. He's going to say depart from me. I never knew you. But you know what? If there's still breath in our body, there's still an opportunity to become part of the bride. Amen? And you know what we need to be doing? We need to be presenting him well to a lost and dying world. They need to see something different. That's right, preacher. You know what they need to see that's different? Consistency. Everything changes. These politicians, I'm fixing to be done. These politicians, and one term, they're voting this away, and they're going on their big committees, and they're saying all this stuff. And then the next administration comes in, and now they're voting this away, and now they're testifying in all these big conferences and these uh, Supreme Court. Now they're arguing this away. Why? Because they're liars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're inconsistent. And you know who the world is listening to? Actors. Yeah. People who pretend for a living. That's who they listen to and trust. People who lie. And they, and they create a character that they, they're liars. And that's who the world's listening to. But you know what would blow their mind? People of character who live consistent lives. Yeah. You want to stand out? Be consistent. Crucify the flesh every day. Present ourselves to God. Everybody Let's please. stand to our feet. The is going to come. Short verse. However, Brother Mark wants to end the service. There's a lot of things about our relationship with the Lord that we pay attention to. We want to make sure that we pray that our family is taken care of and our needs are brought before the throne of God. But lest we forget, the Bible reminds us that we are to present ourselves to him every day for him to rule our life so that we could become a bride that he will find acceptable. Amen?